I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Knowing how to speak and understand a new language can be an invaluable tool when traveling, meeting new friends, or just even to master a new skill. But it's not always simple when you're bogged down by textbooks and structure classes. That's why so many people trust Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program available on desktop or as an app. It truly immerses you in the language you want to learn, like Spanish, French, Italian, Chinese, and more. You won't just be studying English translations. The Rosetta Stone intuitive process helps you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com rs10. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com rs10 today. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. It's time to take command with former NFL tight end Logan Paulson and former Commander's Beat reporter Craig Hoffman. Take Command podcast from Odyssey Sports. That is Logan Paulson. I am Craig Hoffman. Thank you so much for joining us ahead of Giants and Commanders this Sunday. Now, Logan, before we dive into the preview of this game and what a banger it's going to be at (laughs) FedEx Field, um, we want to talk a little bit about the offensive strategy for the Commanders and offensive strategy in general. This is coming off of a conversation I had. Well, one, it's a conversation that we've been having kind of generally here. Um, but I took it to a different place, a different level, a nerdy level with Seth Walder from ESPN. Uh, Seth is their, uh, one of their, their analytics guys. He does a great job creating analytics-based content. He's kind of a must-follow, especially on Sundays on Twitter, if, if you're mm. still on Twitter, um, because he has like all these fourth down numbers and they should go for this or not go for that. And we also talked about team building and, and a lot of the other non-game-specific uh, analytics around football. Uh, but one of the things that we talked about, and we're going to have Seth on the podcast this offseason to like do an hour on this, is the intersection of scheme and the numbers. And I'm going to try to make this as efficient, ironically, as possible uh, in, in <laughs> kind of describing the, the conundrum we're trying to solve here. Um, but basically, for years, people have said like, oh, once we had the data, it's very clear that passing is more efficient than running. So the solution for more uh, more offense and better production is just pass the ball more, do the thing that's better without doing the thing that that you don't do that is not as efficient. Well, what we all kind of agree on though is at some point that starts to lose steam because if you pass the ball one hundred percent of the time, 
the defense would play you a certain way if they absolutely knew that. We know that being one-dimensional is bad. It makes it very hard to move the ball. So at some point, there is a magical number, and it probably change, It definitely changes for each team, like your, you know, your ability to, to maximize your offense with Patrick Mahomes passing it versus Tommy DeVito, all due respect, are going to be very yeah. different numbers. But there's somewhere on the scale from 100% run to 100% pass uh, is a number that maximizes your chances of moving the ball and scoring on offense and I think Seth did a great job of talking about how that's an area that he really wants to study more is like the marriage of scheme and the analytics themselves but before we dive into any numbers Logan like this is something you've thought about a lot as well as someone who knows the schematics and the X's and O's of football as well as anyone and also loves to dive into the data and kind of look and manipulate it um, to, to find out you know what's going on under the hood of an offense so that's the that's the broad general setup. Your turn to talk. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I think that's a really. I mean, this is this is something that if, if you could quantify this mathematically, you'd make a lot of money. I think, and I think one of the things that we've run into, um, and I, I don't know how your conversation went with with this gentleman, but like one of the things you run into is there's like it's it's multifactorial. There's many variables associated with it. Like, so I mean, just take the commanders and we were just messing around with some EPA stuff and graphs and, and doing some composition in our production meeting before this started. And, you know, the offense for the commanders based on that metric is pretty good. Like it's seventh in the league over the last couple of games. And if you could take out the Buffalo game, I think it's probably even higher than that because like there's the game against the Broncos where it was very, very efficient. The game against Arizona, which there's some turnovers in there. So it probably brings it back down. Down, but seventh seventh ranked EPA is probably pretty good. Obviously, the yardage numbers are good. All those different things, but there's something else there, right? That we're trying to that you're trying to get to in terms of maximizing what the offense can be and what is a maximized offense. And this is something that I've I've kind of had conflicting thoughts about. Is is the is a maximized offense necessarily the most analytically efficient offense? Because when you look at San Francisco, for example, I think that's a pretty good example. They they kind of have this reputation of having this hyper-efficient offense. But they also understand the role that their defense plays in winning games. And so because they run the ball a ton, they have a lot of play-action pass, they insulate the quarterback quite a bit, like Kyle has made those decisions to max to maximize that version of that team as opposed to that version of that offense. Because I'm sure there's stuff that he would do and could do to score more points and get more yards. But is that is that what's best for that team? Is that what's, what's best for Brock Purdy? And so in the context of this, in the context of this team and Sam Howell, one of the things that I keep coming back to, like, even while we were talking about it, is you know people want them to run the ball more. They want them to kind of, again, find this balance, find this tipping point offensively. And I think that there is probably some merit to that, increasing the running frequency. But one of the things that I run into when I look at the numbers with this team is they're not very efficient on first and second down running the football. I think they're 30th in the NFL over the last couple of weeks in EPA on, on rushes on first and second down. And that's not great because if you look at the data, first down is the easiest down to throw the football because everything's on the table. You can run, you can pass, you can run a screen, reverse, whatever you want, right? It's the first down of the drive. When you get to second and 10, it becomes significantly more challenging to to throw the football, right? Because defenses now kind of say it's second and 10. We've got to protect the sticks. Let's get into softer, um, softer, more compatible coverage structures with stopping the pass, right? So that's what happens. And then on third down, it becomes the worst, right? So I look at this and I say to myself, like, if you're not efficient on first down running the football 
and you're encouraging these second and 10 scenarios, you're not maximizing the offense. But like you hear guys like who are very, you know, kind of analytically driven, like the coach for the Chargers, for example, uh, Staley. And he's like, there is an advantage that is not quantifiable to running the football where you force guys to kind of in the week of practice have to, I have to prep for this run and this run. I have to learn how to take on a block and I have to diversify my skill set to, to maximize my defensive production. So there is this kind of weird tipping point and it's hard to determine. And I think that's what, why this is so fun to talk about is it's hard to know exactly what the best ratio is. Everyone says, you know, I can hear rooster right now. You got to run the ball more. You know, you've, you've been an advocate for that. Got to run the ball more, but I'm also, and I, and I kind of feel like you should run the ball more. But I'm also kind of looking at the numbers and saying, if it's not efficient, don't do it. You know, like I mean, it's, well, it's right. not helping you. It's not helping you in the way that that I think a lot of people think. Now, you bring up a great point about this, and I'd like you to touch on that right now with regards to, you know, kind of subverting defensive expectation running the football. Right. So there's, I would say, two things. Uh, first, on a more simplistic level than the, the schematic subverting of expectations or whatever is, I think one of the ways you become more efficient is doing it, um, which I know sounds a little crazy, but like the, this, this is the thing about analytics in general. And this is like the biggest misnomer. I think the biggest misuse of analytics by most people, um, analytics are a measure of what has happened, not what will happen. Some of them are very good predictors of what will happen, but all, all we can do with data is take what has already happened and quantify it. So it, by by the nature of how the commanders have approached running the football the last three weeks, they are 30th in EPA. Had they, or EPA per rush attempt. Had they run the ball more, perhaps Brian Robinson busts a 40-yard run and that number looks very different. And so we don't know the counterfactuals here of like what would happen if they did it more and got more reps at it. Um, but, if they were if they were smart in certain situations and took advantage of good running looks and like hunted, I think back to the the Philadelphia game when the Eagles ran on a third and six against the Commanders and got it because they had a wide open box and they were like, oh well, shoot, if you're going to give us a first down, we'll take it. I think that was the Eagles who did that. So I like mean, the Bears have done it. The Seahawks. Oh no, have that's done who it was. It was the Bears. The Bears. It, yeah. The Bears is the one I'm thinking about. Where it's like it's third and six. You never run here. Well, you subvert expectations. And you take and it, it's it's subverting expectations and it's also taking advantage of the X's and O's in front of you of saying there's nobody in the box. If we can hit two blocks, we have an easy first down here. Let's take it. That's gonna greatly help your EPA per rush. Um, and so that that to me is is kind of the magic here is how do you like how does the scheme, how does what teams are doing on first down, what teams are doing on second down based off the down and distance defensively affect what you do offensively. And we've talked about this quite a bit in terms of uh, also personnel plays into this, right? Can you get in big personnel and throw the football because you have a schematic advantage? Can you get in light personnel, spread it out and run the football because of the same reasons? And so these things, and Seth and I talked about this, and it's an area that he wants to study a lot more, but also an area where, you know, if you have high level databases, you can actually manipulate this stuff and study it and say like, okay, how, how efficient are we running out of four receiver personnel? If you got four receivers and one back on the field, you can, as a team, they have access to this t level of data and something that like a Eugene Shen would study, uh, is the new you know, director of football or senior vice president of football strategy for the commanders. Who's a, an analytics guy. Like 
how efficient are we there? And those, those, it's not because you're in four wide receivers that you're like, oh, I know how to, I know how to run the football. Let's get all of our blockers off the field outside of our O line. It's because of how the defense responds. And mm-hmm. so if you, if you can manipulate that, which is something teams have been doing forever, just they haven't been quantifying it. It's like, how do we create a schematic advantage? That's been the whole history of the sport. Sure. Um, and then how does the, how do those numbers shift? So my, my hypothesis is uh, to take it back much more micro to the commanders that if they ran the ball a little bit more, they would be better at it. And they could also be better passing it and generate some more big plays because the defense would react in a certain way. Yeah. And I think that's the, to me, that's the million dollar question. And the thing that I kind of get caught up on, like, obviously if you run the ball more, you're going to be a little bit more efficient at it for some of the reasons you said, you get more practice at it, more reps in game, you get a better rhythm with it. You potentially could break a big run. And hopefully you're doing it smartly where you're doing it into good looks and good situations. hundred percent. But I think the thing that I would like just push back on a, a little bit and just, just, and this is just food for thought is does that make the offense more efficient. I know a more efficient run game makes the run game more efficient, but does it make the offense more efficient? And I look right. at teams like right now, I think that uh, the Tennessee Titans are a really good example. Like they are committed to running the football and they've been committed. And Derrick Henry is one of the best running backs in the NFL, but they're, they're, they, they run the ball a ton. They are usually leading the league in carries or close, probably top five, but their offensive efficiency is down because their rushing efficiency is down and they can't throw the ball on second and 10, the way they want to throw the football. And now that's a team construction idea. That's a philosophical approach, all those different things. But what I would say is in that situation, at this point of the year, what is this week 11, right? Mm -hmm. Are you wasting reps trying to establish something that is making your offense worse in the short term? Like if you were to do this week one, two, three, four, five, kind of be committed to it, be okay with being in kind of some, you know, nosebleed type of games, black eye type of games, close, messy, like kind of poor offensive efficiency games to, to build to this. I think that's okay. I think when you look at Detroit, right, that's a team that runs the ball very efficiently. They pass the ball very efficiently, but that's been part of their identity since day one. And I think that this is where I kind of get a little bit conflicted is obviously I want to run the ball more. You want to run the ball more. There's something there that we think is valuable, but also I'm like, if we're not efficient at it, you know, we're 30th in the NFL and first, second down in the first half of games, over the last three weeks like that that hurts the offense. not good not that hurts good. the offense so and it's like yeah uh, what you're saying i totally agree with right yes, and that, that are, assumes that you are staying with the same efficiency with more attempts um which I, I mean, but 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 what i guess what i'm saying is like if you are rushing to find efficiency are the is the inefficiency to find the efficiency worth mm. the squeeze of a productive offense right and that's that's the question that i can't possibly that we can't answer that, no one um, can but answer, like right. my hypothesis is yes my but, hypothesis uh, I, is that if you raise the percent let's say one to three percent three to five percent right we're not talking about a dramatic shift to a 60 40 or a 50 50 like hell no like you pass the ball to score in this league and to be very clear like i very much believe that I'm talking about a micro shift to, let's say, 2% more runs that has, uh, yes, will you still have some some no-hitters in there? Will you probably have a holding penalty in there on occasion? Sure, absolutely. But I think overall, you become more efficient running and passing. And that small shift in percentage one to the other would elevate. That's But that's a hypothesis. I, I can't so, know that. 
<clears throat> again, like one of the games this year that I thought is a good kind of sample for this, I think is the Philadelphia Eagles game the first time we played. Mm-hmm. I think we aver- we had 22 carries or something like that. It was the most carries we've had in the year. And obviously the offensive production was very good. But one of the things we talked about in that game is that specifically in the third quarter, the second the rushing efficiency went bad, right, became less efficient, the offense basically became totally inert. We had like three consecutive three and outs. So there there are samples within the season where we've rushed the football more times, but has the offense become more efficient in those situations is my question, right? And I think that I think in that game, it's probably like what you're describing, about a 5 to 7% increase in rush attempts. But is the offense does the offensive efficiency match that is it supported by that and obviously that's one game you can't make any kind of drastic conclusions on one game but i would say that no you know it didn't do that in that, sure. in that specific example and again like you're but talking i would with- i would counter with this weekend when the offense was at its worst in that second quarter they went three and out three straight times and they threw it eight times and and ran it once and that to me, that's just general offensive efficiency. Like I don't, I'm not sure that if they were to run the football more, that offense becomes more efficient. Like I think that that's the thing we're conflating here is like I, I want good efficient offense. Sure. And you're saying you believe that you get there by running the football more. I'm not sure you do. And now, obviously, in that in that specific example with Seattle, when they ran the ball efficiency in the start of the fourth quarter, you know they had the 15, 14, five yard run, like on consecutive plays. That's great. Those that's efficient offensive production. It leads to uh, it elevates everything. It elevates the EPA for the whole offense. Mm-hmm. But is it worth the squeeze in the first half of like taking a whole bunch of neutral stuff and then not getting the result you want? It would be my would be my thought there. Well, that j- again, and, 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 like- and again, like and again, I, just to just to be clear for listeners, like Craig and I agree on like we agree. It's just I I am more I'm more tied to this efficiency of the run game, which we're not very efficient at the moment. So I feel like yes, you should run the ball more, but you need to be more creative and more innovative with the scheme, which was you're talking about, right? Like, because right. I look at totally. teams that are good at running the ball and you can tell schematically they've invested a lot of time here. And here, for and and again, this is an efficient offense by, by the EPA metric. It's an efficient offense. But you can tell they haven't put that same level of thought and care into the run game that like a Detroit does or San Francisco or, or, or whoever you want to talk about. The Baltimore is another one. So, right. No. So my, just to kind of wrap this up, my big like theory, my big hypothesis here to use the scientific word is that there is a tipping point where there is a maximized optimized run pass ratio that actually gets the most out of your offense in total and that the commanders are below that number right now. Considering they are running the ball more than any team in the 21st century, liter- or sorry, passing the ball, the ball yeah. uh, more than any team in the 21st century, I feel like that's not a crazy hypothesis. Um, because, no. and, and to be clear, Ben Standig wrote about this in The Athletic this week. They are literally passing the ball at 68.7%, I think is the number. There's only two other teams that are above 68%. And it's the 2013 Falcons who won four games and the 2006 Lions who won three. So these were teams that were down all the time and just threw like crazy because they were trying to get back in games as opposed to the commanders that are have been competitive and in like good game flow situations for a lot of their season, even if they've been on the wrong end of it at the end. I'd also say that like, you know, thank God they've stemmed the sack issue, but like earlier in the season, part sure. of this calculation is you want to see your EPA per play uh, number plummet, lose your starting quarterback. 
Like you want, you want to see a bad EPA per play? Look at Tommy DeVito uh, leading the New York Giants. So like there's, again, there's an, an almost endless number of factors here in terms of injury risk, in terms of scheme and how defenses react, in terms of your own personnel. Like if you've got Saquon Barkley, your rushing stats are going to look one way or the Eagles offensive line, your stats sure. are going to look one way and your efficiency is going to look different than if you've got whoever else. So there's endless numbers. There's an endless number of numbers here. Um, but my, I, I think that the big takeaway here is that simply just passing the ball more because it's more efficient running is oversimplifying what the analytics actually tell you. And that there is, even if it's impossible to find with data and certainly with the data that's accessible to us, there is a certain, um, like there's a certain schematic advantage to not being one dimensional that is worth running the football some amount. And what that number is, is, is an endless search for teams to find. I think that the commanders are below that number. I think you also think the commanders are below that number, but in order to uh, make that, or in order to truly optimize, like obviously they would have to change how they practice. They'd have to run, you know, change how they design their run game to actually make it worth running the ball even more than it would be just for some extra carries. Yeah, that's kind of where I where I fall on it, and I and again, like it's 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 hard to know because like we're talking about the other thing that is kind of tied to this is is you talk about oh field position, sustaining drives, like you know mm-hmm. in certain situations if you can back a team up offensively, um, you know getting a six play drive to a punt like there's value there. However, like that value comes on converting first downs. So what is the thing that helps me as an offensive coordinator? convert first downs and right now for Eric Bianami based on the numbers and again like you said numbers are they they are they are a collection of data they're not predictive of anything <clears throat> when you look at that stuff it's passing the football and they, that's how they've built this thing that's how they've they've constructed it so we talk about the scheme we talk about perspective offensive perspective and it to me it's no surprise that this is where we're at you know like this is what we're doing and I think they they are they are they're not great running the ball they, they don't commit a lot of resources to it. So do the thing that you've committed all this time and energy to. And that's what you're seeing on a week to week basis here. And ultimately, like it's been relatively efficient for them. And so, you know, like kind of, um, I know that's not the funnest thing to hear, but until you get until you until you kind of shift your offensive perspective, like this is going to this is going to be who this team is. And, um, and this is, like maybe this is the most efficient way for them to run the ball. I know that seems crazy and I don't totally agree with that, but I'm saying there is a, it's, it's possible. Yeah. There's I a will say this, you know, for full season, you know, first through fourth down every quarter or whatever, like every play this season, their success rate running the football is 14th. Like their top yeah. half of the league in success rate. They've um, had some big runs. Yeah. And that, that helps. But like, that's the thing is, you know, big, you, you can't get big runs if you don't run it. Um, and I do think it's wild. I know that they're like in plays of 20 plus yards, they're like eighth this year. So like they are generating explosive plays, um, within reason, but there seems to be a real hard cap on those explosive plays. They haven't had a 40 plus yard play to a wide receiver all year, which for considering they have like four or five guys that run four, three and a quarterback with absolute howitzer of an arm seems crazy that they haven't been able to take the top off a defense like that. I mean, that's one of the things about Kyle's offense. Like, they run the ball a ton. You get safeties in the box, and there is a little bit of boom and bust to this, but you get better matchups outside. You get better coverage structures. You kind of get them out of this, like, um, 
you know, kind of this amorphous cover three match, cover four match stuff that's really hard to identify and push the football down the field. You know, so there is something to that, but I also think that that's my um, point. That's the thing. I know that that, that that is your point, but I that's not like that. It's that not that one, simple, but like that, that is, that is, there's, that there's is the one, hypothesis. There's one. That's one way to skin a cat, right? That's one way. EB's doing another version of that, and it doesn't lead to these explosive plays, but you get more plus twenty yard plays. Like you know, what I'm saying, like there is a give and take with everything you're doing offensively. So I think that's the thing that I get to also, and also I think it's important to recognize that game flow has not been overly kind to them in terms of like this defense doesn't make a lot of stops got to score a lot of points got to throw the ball a little bit more like that's also part of this is is it's not just it's not just offense it's team like there's a team element here like i look at san i keep going back to san fran and baltimore san fran by the way who leads the league in epa per play total for the season they and they find explosives but also they are insulated in terms of game flow because their defense is awesome baltimore their defense is awesome right like they can kind of manage stuff they, it's okay if they punt it doesn't matter they don't have to score there's not this pressure on the, on them offensively to like blow the doors off every single week because they can win a game 20 to 17 and that's happened to them a couple times this year so i i think there's there's it's it's complicated it's nuanced i'm not sure what the right number is they might be at it right now it seems like they should run more but i do feel like there's a when i watch the games there's a pressure on them offensively to score a lot of points because they kind of understand defensively what's happening here. And, and yeah. again, like that's, this is why we could talk about this till the end of time, because there's not a definitive thing, right? But I think we both agree that they probably should run the ball more. I want them to be more efficient running the ball if they're going to commit resources to it. Correct. It feels like it's too late to do that. And, and it's, we can't know it because you need to like actually see them execute that. So. Right. Um, and I will say something else that we're not going to talk about now in part, because it's like impossible. There is, theoretically a way to quantify the offense defense tie it's something i've thought about for a long time um but i asked seth about it he's like there's not really anything that's definitive right now you'd have to like manipulate a bunch of data um but it there does seem to be something there about teams because like you know oh if you run the ball the defense gets to rest more well not if you run it three times and are out like the, the even though the game clock runs like real time, you don't get any extra bonus. Uh, you know, it's not a video game where you, you you got to collect a star and all of a sudden you're you're healthy again because the the offense ran the football. The real time elapse is the real time elapse. It does shorten the game though, so you probably get less plays overall. So that's like a whole other bucket. We'll have Seth Walter from ESPN on uh, later in the or I guess in the off season to talk about all this for sure. Uh, so uh, and if you want the uh, the initial conversation between me and Seth, check out the Hoffman Show podcast feed or check out the interview on my YouTube page at Craig Hoffman. Hey, I'm Brett Podolsky, co-founder of The Farmer's Dog. We make fresh food for dogs. We started the company when we saw what a huge difference it made in my own dog, Jada, when she stopped eating ultra-processed kibble and started eating fresh whole food. The farmer's dog food isn't fancy. It's just real food delivered to your door in pre-portioned packs. It's better for them and easier for you. Get 50% off your first box at thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. That's thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. 
At Alma, we know the connection between you and your therapist matters. But if you're already feeling stressed and burnt out, the idea of trying to find a therapist you really connect with can be overwhelming. That's why Alma's focused on helping you find the right therapist for you. When you browse their online directory, you can filter your search based on the qualities that are most important to you. Then you can book a free 15-minute consultation call with any therapist you're interested in seeing. So you can get a feel for whether they're the right fit before you commit to a full-length session. Alma also makes it easy for mental health care providers to navigate insurance. That's why 95% of therapists in their directory accept insurance for sessions. So you can find care that's affordable without stressing about the paperwork. You want to talk to someone, but not just anyone. Alma is there to help you find the right fit. Visit helloalma.com therapy60 to schedule a free consultation today. That's helloalma.com therapy60. Selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow, whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits. Shopify helps you sell everywhere, from their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odyssey podcast all lowercase go to shopify.com slash odyssey podcast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash odyssey podcast take a podcast from odyssey sports greg hoffman here logan paulson there so we just talked about all this fancy data and information logan how does it actually apply to the commanders uh, and their offense against a Giants defense where if you want to look at a bad EPA per play, if you want to look yeah. at a uh, some bad data of all kinds, go back and look at the first uh, craptastic game that these two teams played <laughs> where the commanders scored just seven points. How do, how do they attack this team differently this time? Obviously, we know they've got some changes on the offensive line. The Giants also don't have Leonard Williams. You saw him last week with Seattle, so that's... That's Big helpful, yeah. uh, but I mean, Dallas just absolutely destroyed this Giants defense. What can what can the Commanders take uh, of don'ts from their first matchup and do's from some of these other teams that have been able to put up a ton of points on New York and have a much better offensive performance on Sunday? Yeah, I think this will be really interesting because when you look at that Dallas game, I think there's this like this. Oh my gosh, they they blew the doors off Dallas and like or Dallas blew the doors off the Giants, but. Through the first quarter and quarter and a half, almost to the second quarter to halftime, it was like 7-0 for a long time. And so Dallas is, or the Giants defense gets a four and out. They get a turnover. They It should have been 7-7, but Danny DeVito is, or Tommy DeVito is like not, <laughs> not good at quarterback. So yeah. they got they got a turnover return to the 15-yard line of Dallas going into score, and they couldn't get any points out of it. So um, I think there's, there's this perception that obviously – New York is struggling. I think that's 100% right. But when you look at the start of these games, 
the defense has kept them in it. And when you look at our game, the defense for sure kept them in it, right? Turnovers, lots of sacks, lots of pressures. And so that's still the defense there. And I think you bring up a great point. They're not quite as dynamic in the front without Leonard Williams there. Obviously, Dexter Lawrence had 15 pressures against the New York Jets, so he's still there. You see him just making centers' lives miserable. So he's a guy you definitely got to account for. And then you got to account for Wink Martindale's scheme. And they do. He does a good job. He 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 puts his guys in high lever high leverage spots all the time. But they are number one in the NFL in free runners to the quarterback. And Sam in the first game had a really hard time with that. You know, he he turned a lot of those into sacks. I think we got a new Sam Howell now. But I think this is a really good measuring stick. Like this is kind of his or was his kryptonite. A team that's going to pressure a lot, kind of give you confusing looks, and that's tough for a young player. So. Um, what I would say is let's make sure the protection's locked in. Let's make sure that's, you know, that's why Tyler Larson's playing center. Can he get this stuff ID'd? Can we get the, can we get the known rushers blocked? All those types of things. That's going to be huge. Sam, know your protection rules. Know when you're hot. Know where the ball needs to go. He did a great job of uh, that against Seattle. Seattle brought a little bit of like four and five man pressure, simulated pressures with four. And I thought he did a great job. So this is going to be like, you know, the, the, the varsity level of, of that in terms of extreme uh, pressure looks. But I think he's, he's progressed and grown in a nice way that he'll be able to handle it. So when you look at teams that have done a good job against them, like I look at what Las Vegas did, I look at what uh, Dallas did, and Dallas was like, we're going to spread you out. We're going to identify mm-hmm. one-on-ones, and we're going to win with quick slants because our guys can beat press coverage, and, and we're going to eat. Also, I think it's important to note that game flow for this defense seems to be playing a factor. They're, they, they know they're getting nothing from the offense, and so they'll be competitive for a quarter. But if you can start scoring some points, there is this kind of like, oh my gosh, here we go again. There's no way we can win this game because we as a defense can't score 14 points, right? So there's a little bit of that going on when you watch them. So I think, but I think they're still a good competitive group, if that makes sense. I don't want to give them yeah, too much credit, I mean, but like. Yeah, I, I would say this, like it's pretty easy for almost any team in the NFL to compete for a quarter, right? Even yeah. like teams that in blowouts, like you look at the third quarter sometimes and it's zero, zero or it's three, yeah, three. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, but the final score is 48 to seven. Um, so, you know, it's about at the NFL level, being able to compete for four quarters and the giants just should not be able to compete with the commanders for four quarters based 100%. off the current state of the, com- or of the giants. So the commanders better uphold their part of the bargain um, and so, I guess, yes, I guess early on in the game, it probably emotionally is easier to do that, but you got to keep going. You got to keep put the pedal to the metal and the commanders have at times done a good job of scoring early this year. Um, so yeah, I think that's yeah. something that could be hugely beneficial if they could get an opening drive or two touchdowns and get up like they did on Atlanta, uh, like they did frankly to start Seattle. Um, can right. you, can you make those plays early? Cause unlike those other teams that made it interesting late, the Giants are very unlikely to make it interesting. And so I guess what I'm basically saying there is like, don't let them stick around. Like, don't yeah. let them do it, right? Don't give them, don't give their defense hope. Like, because offensively, they don't have a lot going on. Don't give their defense hope. Because like, if you look at the last game, we scored seven points, right? The commanders. And so that game flow is exactly what they want. They want to play field. Like, if they're going to beat us, and I was thinking about this, like what happens, what has to happen for the New York Giants to beat the Washington commanders, just based on the talent of the roster. One is they win the field position game, right? So they get you backed up. You're punting. They're in plus field position, and they just keep you backed up. You never get anything going offensively. That's what happened in the first game, and, and they end up winning, right? So 
turnovers is another thing that allows them to stay in it, right? And this defense, they're not great. I think they're like 17th in the league in terms of takeaways or turnovers, but they do find explosive defensive plays. They get a lot of sacks. They get fumbles. They get interceptions. So don't let that happen. And if you can do that, I think the commander's offense is talented enough to put up 28, and they're, and if they do that, then the defense is going to quit. But if you let it, if you give them hope and it's like we're in this negative field position situation, we can't get past our own 25, we're punting a bunch, they're going to get hope and they're going to get juiced. Because if you watch the the Jets game, that's essentially the game flow of the Jets game. Now, Zach Wilson is a much different player than Sam Howell, but it was 10 to 10, to 10 or and they were up late. It was like uh, it was seven to seven to 10 going into the um Going into the overtime period, they obviously the Jets come back and kick a field goal or whatever. To tie but, it, send it overtime, yeah. But yeah. it was like right before that final drive, yeah. It was gross, you know, and like they and the defense was playing with their hair on fire. And the defense is the only thing in this game, in my opinion, after watching a lot of film of them, that keeps them in it. So offensively, what are our protection rules? Let's be consistent offensively. Let's be efficient offensively, and let's score points. Like that's really what it comes down to. Just do quite literally do your job you should be able to this is a little bit of a um you know they present an interesting dilemma from a pressure standpoint and we saw what that can do in the first matchup but you've seen it once you've gotten better at handling this stuff let's make sure that we that we execute the way we know we can execute and win this football game and you can win it with the offensive side of the football because if you if you're efficient don't turn the football over score a couple points score 21 points the game's over Right. Um, I think this is a huge game for the receivers to bounce back. Um, you watch what like CD Lamb did, and I'm specifically like I'll, I'm not calling out Terry McLaren because we don't do that. That's a silly thing that radio people do. Or calling out like that matters. Yeah. But like I will call attention to Terry McLaren. Um, you watch what CD Lamb does in the Dallas game, and he just absolutely wrecks the souls of the Giants' defense. Uh, and of course, like Dak, Dak's on a heater right now. Yeah. They've got some other guys that, that make that a little bit easier because they've got good threats, but like Terry's got help as well. Um, and Sam Howell's playing his best ball of his career so far uh, the last three weeks. And I think Terry's got it. And by the way, Terry's probably a little ticked at how the, the Banks matchup went last time uh, because the kid is pretty mouthy, uh, the rookie out of Maryland. So like go out and wreck him. Like go out and absolutely show that you are one of the best receivers in the NFL. And I think that it's on EB to give him those opportunities. Obviously it's on Sam to give him those opportunities on the O line to protect, to get those opportunities. But we were talking earlier about some of the quick game stuff and, you know, making sure that the right guys get involved, uh, as soon as possible. Like I think, and Sam talked about that this week at the podium. He's like, we have to get our guys involved early. I would, I would make sure that you have some of that quick game stuff called for Terry early. I would try to get like Jahan or Curtis, like a carry early. Um, Curtis, obviously the carry options are, are unlimited because you can put him at running back. If you want to, you can, you can have him go and end around, but like you see the reverse that, that Dallas throws to CD lamb and he scores on it. There's, there's not just benefit in terms of those guys feeling involved and getting involved and finding the rhythm of the game. But I think when you talk about slowing down a pass rush like the Giants, obviously the number one thing you can do is get it blocked up, right? Um, the number one thing that you can do is make sure that you're actually solid in your protection rules and execute. There's not, there's no strategy that that is you know execution proof as we've become fond of saying yeah. on this show. But 
can you use every blade of grass side to side, make them cover a lot more space, keep that pass rush off balance and punish some of their, and this was the thing that I think was really frustrating last time. They never were able to punish their, the giants aggression. Right. Okay. You want to be this super aggressive team. How do we weaponize that against you? And from the screen game to misdirection type of stuff to whatever, I do think EB obviously as a play caller, every he's got a role in every game, but has a big role to play in helping this offense do that in a way that they did not when they scored just seven last time. No, I, I think that's exactly right. And I think when you look at the the model that's been laid out by Las Vegas, laid out by Dallas, it's it's spread them out, spread them out. You know, like they one of the things about this this defensive philosophy is obviously the pressure's tough, but it's the coverage. It it really leverages coverage players to a high level. And they've got a couple guys, I don't have the injury report right in front of me, that are a little bit banged up right now. A couple guys with a shoulder, secondary guys, concussions, all those types Literally of things. Literally their entire starting secondary is questionable. Right. So if that's the case, man, like let's like what you another thing you'll see is like when you're watching the Jets game, when you're watching Dallas, for example, like the coverage disguises are awesome. The blitz patterns are awesome. But one of the things that they did got that that Dallas got from spreading them out a little bit was you got a little bit of time because in those disguises, if the receiver is really wide, right, the slot receiver is really wide, the nickel's blitzing, for example, right, he's got to match the the receiver to kind of disguise the blitz, and so he had to run a long way. Dak got bat there, hit his step. They didn't even block the nickel, but he gets the ball out in rhythm and timing, and ends up being an explosive play. So, can you do that? I think that'll be a big feature. Obviously, those Mac protection stuff that they struggled with in the first game, I think you'll see those again. Because if you get those targeted correctly and efficiently, there's big plays to be had. And I think that was one of the frustrating things coming out of that uh, film review on that Tuesday pod was like there was opportunities and they just couldn't maximize it. So again, I think the plan will be good. I think they'll be ready to go. I think this offense will be hungry um, because they were kind of embarrassed last time, you know, and, and like they, and I think when you look at the plan that was laid out in the first game, you say, man, if they execute this, this game is 28-0 in the first half, but they didn't, right? The Giants had executed them. So can you just kind of build yourself back up? Say, hey man, this is what's going to happen. We saw what happened last time. Let's make sure we hit this stuff. And I, I really think that's all it comes down to. I think EB in the first matchup had a in the first game had a good philosophy, good perspective. Let's let's execute that, right? Let's get that called correctly, Tyler, Sam. Let's make sure we know where to go with the football. Because quite frankly, if you do that, if you get it protected, I don't think they can match up with our receivers. And they've shown that over the last couple of weeks. If you can get it protected, those DBs are going to struggle for them outside of Banks, who's been pretty good this year. But even he's great in like the 50 percentile range for PFF right. because it's just he's leveraged to the hilt every single game. It's a little bit like what's happening to BSJ where it's like he's a fine player, but he ain't ready to like he's not on CD Lamb or Devontae Adams level. So yeah. he's got to guard number ones. And this is why I go back to Terry too, like all right, Terry, you want to be a number one guy. Um, right. Like, let's do it. If I was EB, like I would probably, you know, again, I'm not going to do it as a radio host because it's a wacky bit. But if I'm EB, I'm probably challenging him a little bit. Be like, hey, yeah. hey, man, you, let's you want it? Like, let's roll. Um, yeah. We're going to give you some chances this week. So let's let's go get it. You're mad that we missed you on that that deep post last week. Well, here's your chance. It's going to, it's going to come back around. Right. Um, so, so I think that that'll be interesting to watch. But obviously the most important thing, protection get that thing lined up and then also you know obviously this was the game where nick gates got himself benched um ken tyler larson bow up against dexter lawrence that's uh he's a much he's, bigger I mean, body we, we were talking about this in the first matchup but he's literally grading at like defensive mvp level right now like that's yeah. how good he's been like he's he, awesome 
he has the ability to just totally ruin a game. So probably need a plan for him when they're just rushing four. And Tyler Larson, put your big boy pants on because that's going to be a tough day at the office. But yeah, uh, get ready. But and and then uh, by the way, have have fun resting up because you play again four days later on Thanksgiving. <laughs> that sucks. Okay, picture this: it's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Hey, it's Greg Hoffman from Take Command. It's not just a podcast. It's the 25th hour of your day. Your weekly source for all things commanders, right on time, your time. A list of household chores. Do them without missing a beat and listen while you work. In the car, turn mundane drives into memorable moments. With podcasts, you can maximize productivity and minimize FOMO. We're on demand, so we fit perfectly into your schedule. Follow Take Command in the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Take a man podcast from Odyssey Sports. I'm Craig Hoffman. He is Logan Paulson. We're live at Tap Sports Bar on Sunday, pregame show. Make sure you get it in uh, with us three hours prior to the game. It starts on 106.7, the fan and the team, 980, live on YouTube as well. Doors open at Tap if you want to come hang out with us in person starting at 11. Okay, can the defense bounce back? Obviously, a rough game against Seattle in terms of a, a final output. They couldn't bow up in the end. They gave up a ton of yardage. This Giants offense is uh, is as prime for a get-right game as any unit you're going to see in the league. It is not very good. Saquon's banged up. Waller is out. Uh, Tommy DeVito starting at quarterback. Hyatt's got a concussion, right? Yeah, Hyatt's, Hyatt's got a, a concussion. Like, Wondell Robinson is listed as questionable. Like, Literally, the entire team yeah. is is banged up. And it feels like every time we've said this this year, it's like, oh, the Bears, they're not very good and they're banged up or this. You know, the Giants, the first time around, there, there's been all these games where it feels like they got to win this one. Like, the, the opponent's barely there and it hasn't gone great. Yeah. This, this has got to be the one for the defense. Yeah, I think so. And I think, you know, when you look at the last matchup, the defense matched up pretty well against him. And I think this, this iteration of the Giants is worse right like they yes. don't have Tyrod Taylor they have Danny uh, Tommy DeVito excuse me and he is 
he's interesting because he's, you know, kind of like Taylor Heineke or Jake Fromm type of guy, right? They got a little athleticism, a little bit of arm talent, but there's a reason he's a third string quarterback. Doesn't see stuff overly well. He's a rookie. He's like a second year guy. Like there's, there's a lot of reasons to be excited about going up against him. He sits really deep in the pocket by an offensive line. That's not very good. You know, Evan Neal, to his credit, has been playing a little bit better the last couple of weeks, yeah, um, but got rolled up on last week. So he's yeah. questionable. And then Andrews, uh, the left tackle is back and he's playing good. Football, oh, that's what I mean. But, uh, sorry. Andrew yeah. Thomas is, uh, it got and, rolled up on last week and is questionable. Yeah. So he, I mean, he's awesome, but you know, and Evan Neal is playing a little bit better, but still like they're not playing well enough and they're all banged up they're all nicked up and I, this is the thing when you're on a bad football team like those injuries start coming showing up that ankle which you were playing through before is like man why am i playing through this ankle like this isn't worth it for me and i think you're going to see a little bit of that because this team is is struggling big time i will say if when you watch like the jets game when you watch the las vegas game they do have opportunities for big plays that the defense is able to shut down so, for example, against the Jets, like Saquon's running a choice route and is like he kills the linebacker. He's wide open. Ball gets bad at the line of scrimmage. Like if they complete that, that's seven. That's six points, right? Like so there are these moments and they're very few and far between. But there's probably five moments in the game in Las Vegas, right? They run a play action pass. The post is wide open over the top. Tommy DeVito kind of shorts it's intercepted. But it's there. You know what I'm saying? So, like, there yeah. are these moments. It's just about when those moments come, are you awake and are you ready for them and can you make a play? Because if if they hit a couple of those, the, the, the complexion of the game can shift pretty dramatically. They're not a good offense. They're struggling really bad. They rely on Saquon a ton. <clears throat> all those, that's all true, right? But just for fans to be aware of, there are five to seven moments in the game where it's like, if they hit this play, it looks completely different. Sure. And they haven't done it because they're not very good, but I'm just saying there are opportunities. And so what does our defense do versus those opportunities? And do they make the play when it, when, when that moment shows up, can they make the play? I think they can. They've shown an ability against lesser offenses and lesser quarterback play mm -hmm. to play really well. I think they're going to be fine. I think we're going to see a good, uh, good um, kind of version of this offensive line. I think so. But again, one of the other elements of this is like offensively, you got to score points. If you let them kind of turtle up and run the ball, throw quick game, be very selective about their shots, the result could be very similar to what you saw in the first matchup, right? You got to score some points, force them out of that shell, get them to stress, like stretch themselves out, throw the football with DeVito, and I think you'll win the game. But again, there are there is a version, a weird, bizarro universe where they hit a couple and you're like, oh no, like we're in a game now versus an NFL football team. Yeah, I mean, I will say this defense has consistently performed to the level of the opposing quarterback this year. 100%. Um, now, that's not like to the, you know, like obviously it's been bad overall. Very, very bad as discussed. The statistics are terrible. Um, they're one of the worst five defenses in the league by basically every metric. Um, but the fluctuation has been consistent, right? Week one, you get Josh Dobbs who had just gotten there and they play okay. Um, you know, against Russell Wilson, it was not as good. Um, and you know, luckily the offense was able to put up 35 and, or whatever they put up and you win the game. Um, Josh Allen absolutely murdered them. And then up and down right. you go, Jalen hurts has been very good against them. Gino is not as good as Jalen hurts. So instead of scoring 31 or 34, <laughs> uh, they score 29, right. but Tommy DeVito, um, and Tyrod Taylor, uh, that, you know, they only put up 14. So yeah. like Tommy DeVito should be worth like seven points. Um, right. and that's, 
that's up to the defense to make that a reality. And I think this is a big week for the interior D-line guys. Like, can you finally get going? Um, I think it's also going to be interesting to see what they do at the other end spot. I'm not expecting James Smith-Williams to play. Um, right. You know, he's got the hamstring injury. Uh, and so F.A. Obata probably gets the start. Um, and F.A.'s got to play with discipline uh, better than he did last Sunday. Because if you get out of your gap against Saquon Barkley, like that's how you give up an explosive play. So, you know, if you're K.J. Henry and, and Andre Jones Jr., same thing. Like you have to get in there and play with discipline. Uh, but it, it's going to be interesting for sure. Um, not having Waller is a big deal. He killed yeah. them last time. Um, you don't have that weapon. So I'm I'm very curious to see how things go. I think this could be a, a nice day for Emmanuel Forbes to get back in there. Obviously, yep. there's no like big physical receiver uh, to deal with. Um, you know, you see a lot more Quan Martin out there. Um, not that not that you're like, hey, this is a practice squad game, but I, I do think this is like such a great opportunity to build some confidence, play with cohesion. Um, but like you said, it's still like Brian Dable is a, a very good NFL coach. And yep. so schematically, there is going to be three or four moments in the game where if you're not on your P's and Q's, you're going to give up an explosive. And I think the last thing I'll say real quick to, cause this is not the most intense breakdown. Like the giants are not very good. Yeah. Um, but can you, even when you give up the big ones, make sure that you don't miss that final tackle, right? Yeah. Make them earn it. If, if, if you can tackle someone shoestring at the five yard line, that is worth it because the giants are going to have trouble scoring. Um, yeah. every extra play they have to run is, is their chances drop. So yeah. make sure that even if you give up a 20 yarder, it doesn't become the 60 yarder. So the back end, Percy Butler obviously has had this happen a couple weeks in a row, make that tackle because it, the more they have to earn it, the, obviously that's always something you, you never want to just give but away especially points, this week. but with the giants, like, are, if they get one big play, the chances that they're going to get a second one in a row are not very good. <laughs> that's, I guess. Yeah. Kind of the point. And, and when you watch, um, you know, say Kwana watched all of his, his explosive runs over the last couple of weeks, like there's a couple opportunities where the hole's there, he's breaking through and then the safety just comes up and is a speed bump trips him up enough. And it's a 14 yard gain instead of a 60 yard gain. Right. So I think there's definitely, definitely a lot of merit to that. Cause like he's their most explosive player in their offense. And right By now with, with everybody yep. hurt. So they're going to try and get him touches. They're going to try and get him opportunities and he'll get his, he'll get, you know, He'll get 20 carries. He'll get 10 or we'll get probably five opportunities to catch football. But can you just be like, Hey, you're not, going for 60 on any of these right which is what happened in the first game for the explosive and um and i think yeah i totally agree with that this there's not a lot of firepower here so you just got to play consistent defense make them go on long drives or make them go three and out like that's really that they're not good enough tommy devito he's a backup quarterback he's a third string quarterback for a reason when these guys play you should be able to to dominate now i've already alluded to that we've both alluded to the idea that there are if you screw up on one of those five shot plays in the game, like you're going to be hurting and it could be a yeah. ball game, but don't let that happen. Don't let that right. happen. And uh, like you said, if it's, if the, the offense has already put up 28 and it goes from 28, nothing to 28, seven, that feels a lot worse or it feels a lot better. So <laughs> offense got to, got to do their thing uh, on that side of the ball. All right. We'll preview this game, obviously a lot more and we'll see who's in and who's out. I think that's going to be a big deal as well with all these giants injuries, especially on Sunday. Uh, next week is going to be a little funky, obviously with the holiday, but we will get you a film review. Uh, and then everything else is up in the air in terms of game preview. We'll try to get, uh, some, something for you as you drive around on Thanksgiving, uh, and get ready for commanders and Cowboys, but stay tuned for the schedule on that. 
Uh, we'll have that by Sunday night. So the instant reaction show, we will see you on YouTube for that. Uh, see you for the pregame show before then. And of course, I got the rest of the week on the Hoffman show. So I'll see you on the radio from four to seven. For Logan, I'm Craig. Uh, thanks for watching and listening to Take Command.